Hello and welcome back to Where Are All My Friends. This week is with Fantasy Camp, who is an artist and a producer who I've been a fan of online and kind of watched what he's been doing from afar and just had one of those moments where I was like, how have I not reached out? How have we not talked? I bet he would have a cool story. So we get in touch and made it happen. And sure enough, he has this great story. So we specifically talk about the difference between being an artist and producer and what he finds the most fulfilling. I ask a lot of questions there because I figured that would be helpful insight for anyone in a similar position who maybe does both or is considered doing both. We talk about him being a part of a producer collective and how he's found a community and a group of people that all kind of look out for each other and come up together and how important that sense of community is. Overall, just a really fun, insightful conversation. So I hope you enjoy it. I'm gonna keep this intro really short. There you go. Where are all my friends? Fantasy camp. I'm really excited for this one. What up? What <laughs> up? Thank you for doing this, dude. I, I really love it when these kind of shape out like just like a conversation online. And it's like, yo, like let's just do a podcast. And then it happens. So that I love yeah. it. Yeah. Hell yeah. Yeah, dude. Let's go. And I'm stoked on this one. <laughs> I was just saying right before we started recording, it's kind of one of those episodes where I'm like, dude, I can't believe this hasn't happened. And I can't believe we haven't crossed paths because it looks like you've worked with quite a few of my friends and quite a few people that are in that circle, but somehow we never really did cross paths. And it's always kind of that feeling with music and especially specific genres of like, damn, it's a small world. So yeah. I always get kind of excited to do podcasts like this and connect those pieces in real time. Yeah, I always like, I think a lot of that just comes from the fact that I don't live in like on the West Coast. Yeah. And I'm like, so like, I'm kind of in the middle of nowhere. So like, I'm only around at certain times. So like, I don't get to meet a lot of people that I like, otherwise, I probably would know. Yeah, you know, that's actually an interesting spot to start this at. Because from my side, I am in Los Angeles right now. But I grew up in like a pretty small town in Florida. And from mm -hmm. the outside, I was always like, oh, I got to be there. I got to be there. But now, especially with the internet and with everything becoming so digital, I kind of feel like people can be wherever. And I've certainly noticed you. Granted, I haven't met you in person, but I've certainly noticed you online and feel like you're very present. So what's that feel like to you? Like, have you been able to really just do the thing where you're in uh, Pennsylvania, right? Yeah. Yeah. I live in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania. I feel like if I lived in L.A., there would definitely be more opportunities for me. But I also feel like I've done okay not living in L.A. Most of the opportunities that have been granted to me, you know, I got without being there. But also, like, every time I go to L.A., I do five to ten things that there's no way that those things would have happened if I was back here. So, like, yeah, I'm, I feel like I'm definitely missing out on some things by not being there. I don't know. It's just... It's almost it's almost like the core talent, like you as a producer, you as an artist, that can be done anywhere. You can keep your head down. You can write an album. You can make a fuck ton of beats anywhere. Mm -hmm. But then the little moments, like you're friends with Lil Aaron, of course, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like his house, like that being such a catalyst and like those moments yeah. where you just happen to be there and something crazy happens like that, which then leads to things. But I really do see like artists like yourself keeping your head down and just making a great product and getting better and better at what you're doing. Like 
I certainly notice that and think that that's almost more admirable than just like always chasing like the networking and like the random things. Well, thank you. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I, I definitely uh, get down on myself or like get in my own head where I'm just like, you know, I've made like all these songs and all these beats and like not everyone hears them because I'm not in like a studio with a bunch of people where I can just be like, yo, check this out. At, at times I get down on myself like for not, doing as much networking as I feel I should be. But yeah. I do like living here and I don't know. I've never, um, like I don't, where I live now is not my hometown, mm-hmm. but I just, I can't fathom like what it would be like to move to the other side of the country and like yeah. just be so far away from like everything that I have ever known. So <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's, it's a little bit scary. And then there's also like the financial part of it where it's just like, you know, LA is not a cheap place to live. So totally. I always told myself like, I will move to LA when I'm like very comfortable financially. <laughs> like if I know that there's no way I'm going to, you know, run out of money. Yeah. I've always kind of felt a similar way of like, you certainly don't need to be in a city like LA And more so, like, it's a good time to come out into a big city like that when you've already kind of established yourself and your trade and your craft. And you're like, all right, Mm -hmm. it's time to be here because I've hit a ceiling where I'm at. Not Mm -hmm. just like, oh, I'm here. Hope I get blessed by like fortune and opportunity. (laughs) So, yeah, yeah, I feel it. And then as far as where you're at, I feel like that's. Like I remember my OG touring days and I was always like with more like rock type bands and all that. And there was always a really interesting scene in PA, like mm-hmm. not specifically hardcore, but like I'd almost just say like DIY, like there's yeah. a really strangely pop in music scene out there. Were you like, how, how early on did you get into music? Like, was that an early part of your life going to shows and stuff like that? Or how did that look? Well, music was earlier than shows because I asked my parents to get me like a drum set for my eighth birthday. Uh, <clears throat> so, so you've been, I was it. like, I was like playing drums and, and then I learned guitar like shortly after that. And then I would say it probably wasn't until I was like 12 that I actually started going to shows locally where I was, there was only like, there were like ska punk shows. Like it was like skate punk and ska music and, also like a groove metal band and that would be the show like three different subgenres. i mean that was confusing early on because i was just like is this stuff all the same yeah like 12 years Uh, old going to shows like that like that's crazy yeah and also i was playing in a band at that time so i was like uh i was like playing drums in like a metalcore band when you were 12 um yeah, all, every, like all the other dudes shit. were in high school. So like I was also getting to experience shows that way because like we were playing some shows. Like obviously we were playing like terrible shows that no one was attending. But then we were also doing like pay to play shows, which was a huge thing for metalcore. I don't know if it was like everywhere, but especially in PA, like that was a huge thing. Yeah. So, Did you guys have those weird all day festivals? kind of thing uh maybe like one yeah i don't i don't know there were it was mostly like um you know this big band is coming through if you want to play with them you just have to sell like 50 tickets yes. or 100 tickets okay, or yeah, dude, the pre-sale tickets like <laughs> yes that was absolutely and then another like weird lore of pennsylvania i don't know if it's 
close to your, I might be mixing up my geography, but did you ever play shows in Allentown? Yeah, so that's closer to where I grew up than where I am now. Okay. So like Croc Rock Dude, in Allentown Croc is the, Rock. Is the sp- specific place I'm referring to when I say we did play to pay to play show. <laughs> <laughs> This might be too deep for this podcast, but that fucking dude, Tom Taylor. Yeah. Yep, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) You know. That's funny that you, because I always like, everyone always like knew about him and talked about him as kind of like this like (laughs) mythical like person in in just like Pennsylvania in general. But that's funny that he is, uh, he's, he's grown so infamous for being such a crazy person. So much (laughs) because it was, it was like this, like it was like an urban legend of this like Mm -hmm. promoter guy that took himself way too seriously that would come Mm -hmm. out and like, he'd show you like his nunchucks and his martial arts materials. And he'd like have the weirdest sweet brags about things that didn't matter, but like (laughs) trying to like gas up and like convince these local bands that he was the most famous person ever. And like (laughs) low key in a weird fucked up way, he was actually this remarkable promoter because he did always sell out these shows and get bands to do these things. But it was just the strangest (laughs) ecosystem of music. And as soon as I realized that you were from PA, I was like, I wonder if he knows. So that's really funny that you lived and experienced that too. Yeah. I mean, if I wasn't involved like like so early on, I probably wouldn't have known who he was. But I think it was only because I, I joined a band through like local kids at my school. Yeah. And... And they were like, yo, like we got this crazy opportunity. We just have to sell like 200 tickets to play with. I set my friends on fire. I still have the, I still have the ticket stubs that we got for that. 200. So like you're like the, bringing the ones this that we dude, didn't like sell. Easy 2K just to like yeah. open up for some obscure metal band that's coming through that wouldn't yeah. draw anything without you. Just trying to like pedal tickets to like my family members. Yes. <laughs> like people Holy who are not going to come. So you like, you <laughs> really lived like local band life. Yeah. But, but early, early on enough that I like knew by the time that I was like getting decent at music that I never wanted to do that <laughs> again. <laughs> That's good. That's really good that you learned that lesson early. So then what was the what was the turning point? Because you also like good and went to college, right? Like you you stayed getting mm-hmm. educated. And I mean, I'd imagine you did both the whole time. Like it's not like you stopped doing music, right? Yeah. So like in between that time, I got into uh, like producing mm. and started working with people that I met on the Internet. And I was just doing beats and stuff because there wasn't that many people in my hometown that were interested in making music. It was pretty much just those kids that I had started a band with <laughs> all those like years before that. So I wanted to make music, but I couldn't. So I just decided to learn how to use FL Studio. And I did that for a while. And then I would say like 23. 2012 or 2013 I started going to shows in Wilkes-Barre and met a bunch of the kids there who were like kind of a lot of the people I met there were kind of already in bands that were sort of successful in like hardcore music okay and then I formed a band or I joined a band that was with some of those people and that was called West Point 
and then we were a band throughout like my last year of high school and my first two years of college. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you stayed like kind of the natural evolution, like still playing in a band, but also starting to produce, going to school, kind of like keeping it all going kind of thing. Yeah. I never, uh, I never really thought of like, there was only one moment in my career where I was like considering dropping out. And that was like at the very end. So um, it was easy to do the band stuff and stay in school because we weren't touring full time or anything. Like we were never that big of a band. So like we, we got asked to do like a few festivals here and there and we could do that and figure it out. But it's not like we were doing like full US tours or anything. That's interesting. So at that point, because I feel like a lot of times if you've been playing in a band for that long and you have a taste of playing shows, there's definitely that mentality of like all in, let's get on tour, let's do the thing. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting that you guys kind of just kept it at like a, yeah, cool. Like we'll play shows here and there, do this and that. Like, did you ever have that desire to tour or were you pretty focused? Were you pretty down to just finish school? I would say, I think it was like three out of four people in the band where we were all in school so okay. it was kind of like even if one of us was down to say fuck it and and go for it it was just like you know everyone kind of had stuff that they had to do so that makes sense we just it just never happened and then we played sound and fury festival which is in california and that was like the last kind of thing we did and then that it just sort of fizzled out naturally yeah And then I would say like after that is when I started to do like the solo stuff. Like that whole time period, I was still like making beats and and like working with people, but not nearly as much because I was, you know, playing shows and going to practice all the time, but I was still doing it. And then after that kind of fizzled out, I was just like, I'm just going to try to sing and see how it goes because you were pretty early on the production side of making beats right like especially if you're coming out of pa playing in like metal or hardcore bands like Mm -hmm. were you kind of the outcast for being like yo what if we uh what if we throw some trap hats (laughs) and 808s over this year like outcast like on the internet or in my hometown do you mean i guess i'm like just curious like where you found that inspiration right like there's so many people that play in bands and never ever stumble upon making beats or any type of different music so like where were you getting that inspiration from through all this well so like i always loved rap and rock music like equally pretty much i was introduced to both at the same time yeah like my dad was super into new metal and then also into like rap music and uh and rock whatever grunge yeah so he was always exposing me to like all different kinds of music i guess like when i got the the idea that i wanted to like try to learn how to make beats i was that was like more like boom bap stuff like i was like trying to make uh old school rap beats and oh and put i was putting like acapellas on them and stuff like that but pretty cringe but it's like uh (laughs) i had like a whole different whole different name back then and then it wasn't until i saw that wicked phase was making music oh and had you followed him in like the tiger's jaw era right Yeah. yeah so i was like a huge tiger's jaw fan I was going to see them like whenever they played locally or close. Yeah. And I saw he was doing that and I was like, 
I could do, I could make these beats that like the beats that he's using. Yeah. Um, So, so that I kind of just went for it like that. I sent him some beats. He responded and liked them and then asked me to make more with like more specific styles. Like, could you make a beat that sounds like this? And then we just ended up working together more through that so that like having him involved in your life meeting him sending him beats was like a very big important turning point in your whole career yeah absolutely because before that i was i mean this was when i was i think i was 15 almost 16 at this point and i was just listening to like odd future and okay and trying to produce like them and okay and do like which is a whole different thing because like they're trying to produce like pharrell well, and kind i'm of, trying to though. produce like them like odd future yeah, was yeah. a really important like i i feel like i remember an era and at least where i remember it i'd probably call it like 2014 2015 of like childish gambino odd future mm-hmm. tyler bits of frank ocean but then also mm-hmm. like chitty bang and like hoodie allen and mac miller and like discovering that felt like a different literally everything you just named like that was my shit okay yeah in 2011 yeah okay yeah okay maybe i'm yeah yeah, i might be saying a later date but yeah so like or well yeah whatever which is that that's crazy because i always thought chitty bang was like a pennsylvania thing because they're from philly dude they were so good I yeah, don't know I what happened them. to them, but that era, like, oh my god! And I would say, I would say, other than like Odd Future production, uh, Zafun Jones from Chitty Bang was like a huge uh, influence on getting me to like be like interested in wow. learning how to make beats, dude. You have because I always thought the, the way that he uh, did mashups and stuff was yes. like so cool. Yeah, the way he would he would chop samples and wow so yeah, you were I was, having like, i haven't thought about that in so long <laughs> that's so great i mean like it's weird like I, i'll bring them up every now and then but like it was so important in that era for me because i was maybe mm-hmm. similar to you where i was primarily like pop punk hardcore going to shows but then at the same time i was really heavily on tumblr and i was like kind yeah. of a car kid like i was into like slammed stancy cars and all that and along with that i was finding like rap on tumblr and i was like all right, mm-hmm. this is cool. But then it's interesting that you found Wicca around that time because I was very late to that. Like I was very late mm-hmm. to finding Tiger's Jaw. I didn't understand that. Um, so that's really interesting that at that time you were taking all of that influence, meeting him, and then being like, here's this. Yeah, well, so like the big thing that I always reference, like what draws everything together for me, Mm-hmm. is I don't I think I was like 14 years old my brother for my birthday took me to this show that was my favorite band growing up was Bayside oh and wow, he yeah. took me to see them and they were touring with Senses Fail yes as the headliner and then the openers were Balance of Composure and Title Fight okay. and so I go to that show I see Balance of Composure really liked them bought a CD that they had that was a split with Tiger's Jaw. So then I was just like kind of introduced to this whole new world of like, I don't know if I'd say underground, but like that whole like run for cover scene of like yeah. title fight, like Tiger's Jaw. Like a different Jaw. kind of emo, like its own yeah. kind of like, 
I, I don't even know how deeply to to call that, but yes, you all of those bands all together. Yes. Mm-hmm. Damn. Okay. Wow. So you found that, and that's a progression there. So yeah, it sounds like you were just like a big fan of music, and you were just discovering all sorts of stuff, and then just trying to make stuff that inspired you. Yeah, exactly. And then yeah, and then the Wicked Face thing happened. I wanted to work with him, so I was just making beats that I thought he would want to get on with that style, and that was like probably the most fun part of my production career because it was just so I mean I guess listening back people might not think it was experimental but I was truly just going into it like not trying to not taking any influence from from like stuff that I had heard before and just trying to be as weird as possible god that's magic Mm. it's like it's different times in careers where like you'll have a certain inspiration it's not like you can't replicate it but just like that feeling of like the, in that moment, mm-hmm. in that era, you had an inspiration or you had a, an idea in your head and you're like, I'm going to fuck around and do this. And it's like, mm-hmm. I feel that. Yeah. Well, because it's, it's like now I've been doing it for too long that there's no way I'm going to make something and not have all these things in the back of my head. Like yeah. it has to be like this or the song structure has to be like this and you have to have this certain pattern or you can't do this. Like I'm always like thinking about these things. So yeah, I feel like when you're first starting or your, your first couple years of production, that's the only time that you're like truly, or I guess that even applies as an artist too. Like you're, you're less worried about breaking rules and dude. Yeah. Just that's, I mean, doing whatever. Think too, like some of our favorite artists, I'm sure like our favorite albums as consumers are some of their early work because they're not mm-hmm. following formulas. It's super authentic. It's super raw. And I hate to see yeah. like on my side, I've never played. I've only just consumed music and I hate it when artists question themselves early and think they're not good enough or think that because they're not polished, they shouldn't put stuff out. Cause I'm like, you have mm-hmm. something right now that's so authentic that people can't replicate because it's just that early mm-hmm. creative, whatever you're thinking, putting down, however you do it. And I think that th- those times are so special. Yeah, I think a lot of things change too when like money and labels and and business people get involved because then it's no longer like your choice. Like it's yeah. not like if you want to put something out, you can just say, hey, I'm going to drop this. Like I made this weird thing. I'm just going to drop it right now. Yeah. So. I think that it's going back to that in a weird way. I will say like Mm -hmm. the more open-minded labels and the more you can get a little more freedom in your deal, you can put stuff out, but you're not wrong. Like there's always, as soon as you have a team, as soon as there's any kind of money involved, everything is looked at as an asset and there's like a plan to put it out. And it isn't Mm -hmm. just as much like, I'm going to put this on SoundCloud because I think it's cool right now. Maybe I'll delete it later. (laughs) Maybe I won't. Another point that I'm curious of with you and your career is you have a mix that I would imagine a lot of other creatives and artists have right now where you're kind of half producer, half artist. And I think that Mm -hmm. that's happening more and more because you have all of these people who are huge fans of music or musicians, artists that want to create, and you have all of these tools available to you literally just on a laptop and it's much harder to like go out and build start a band so like you're probably gonna pick up how to record yourself and how to make your own beats or how to yeah. make your own music 
And I just wonder, because again, I'm not an artist, but like, do you find, is that like a hard crossroads to navigate? Do you find one more fulfilling than the other? Do you wish you were doing more of one or the other? Like, I'm genuinely curious. It always changes for me. Like at the beginning of my singing career, whatever you want to call it, I was producing everything for myself because, uh, you know, I didn't have any vocal music out. So like no one knew to, that I needed beats. And like, I also didn't have that much of a following as a producer. So like, I couldn't just say like, yo, send me beats. Yeah. So like, it was necessity at the beginning. Like I had to make my own beats and it was also like, it was really fun to do it that way. It just takes longer. Yeah. Cause you have, you know, it takes a certain amount of time to make a beat that you can come up with ideas to. And then you have to, I had no idea how to record or anything like that. So that whole process wow. like took, took me super long. But then after that, like after I put out that first uh, mixtape, people started sending me beats and, I was able to kind of just like focus on being an artist. Yeah. That kind of changed everything. Cause I was like, well, now I can just write more songs and I don't have to worry about producing everything myself. That's cool. After being, having access to both for like a pretty long time, I do find that like the songs that I produce for myself, I tend to like more. Then because I can just go in and if I hear something in my head and I'm like, oh, that would sound really cool if like that thing changed right there. Yeah. I don't have to ask somebody to do that. Like I can just do it myself and and I could make as many little tweaks and stuff as I want. So Right. Yeah, that is interesting. However, I guess on the transverse, if you have people sending you beats and maybe you're in a spot where you're less inspired, somebody else's mm -hmm. ideas and creativity, you could hear something and be like, oh, I never would have thought about that. I need to record a melody like this over that or something. Yeah. No, yeah, that's super true. Like there, there are songs that I've made that I never would have come up with the beat for like myself. Yeah. Especially recently. Like, so, so recently I've, I've only been making beats and I haven't been doing as much vocal stuff. Oh, okay. And I don't know if that's just because I got, I don't know if it's like I feel burnt out on writing songs or if it's just because I haven't really left my house in almost a year and I don't have anything to write about. Like, I'm just like, you know, how many songs could I write from another person's perspective? Because if I write a song about how I just played Rocket League for six hours, like, that's not that interesting. So... <laughs> God, that I've just been making real. beats because I just like I don't I don't really have anything to write a song about. It's it changes all the time. Like some days I'll want to make a beat more than I want to make a song, but that's I mean that's most days. So you're not really like you're not really stressing it. It's like you're both. Like you can be an artist when you want to be an artist and you can be a producer when you want to be a producer and whatever you're more inspired by, you're going to do. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, for sure. That's super nice. And honestly, just because I don't fully, fully know, and maybe there's some that you can't say if you're in the middle of it, but like, what are some of the notable artists that you've produced for? Because I feel like you've built up quite a decent list now. I would say like the main, the main people I've worked with are like Wikiphase, Coldheart, Horsehead. There's some other like big names that are kind of, that kind of just happen through weird circumstances. Like I have a song with Bones that came out in like 
2012, I what think. What the fuck? That I was didn't like, know that. That's sick. Yeah, I made like a t- uh, instrumental tape with this dude who was like kind of in sesh and he just was able to get bone. Like it was kind of right before bones kind of like blew up crazy. Yeah. That's on our tape. And then like earlier this year, I randomly had a song with like an unreleased snippet um, that Peep did over one of my beats. And I thought it was fake because like I wasn't super close with him, but I met Peep and I chilled with him for a few days on his first tour and he never said anything to me about it, but he made it clear that he like was aware of who I was. Yeah. And I think this was like maybe in November of last year, someone hit me up and asked me to buy like the exclusive rights to this random ass beat that I made in in like 2013 or like 2014. I used to put these beat tapes on Bandcamp and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, that is so weird that someone wants to buy this old beat, but you know, it's money. So whatever, like what, you know, there's no harm in selling an old beat. Yeah. You're like random, but okay, sure. Right. Yeah. Like nothing, nothing else is going to happen with it. So I sold it. And then a couple weeks later, I see like this thing that's like little peep featuring random person uh, produced by Fantasy Camp. So I was like, what the fuck is this? So I like listened to it and it was the beat that I had sold the person. I guess what happened is a snippet of the song came out and someone was able to hear through my tag being on the snippet that the beat was mine but the only thing that existed on the internet was that it was like a 30 second snippet and if you listen to it whoever had it had put like tags on it that was like you got to pay money for this shit so somebody paid to get the full song because there was an open verse on the beat so there's peeps part and then an open verse someone paid i don't know like fifteen hundred dollars i think yeah and then put their own verse on it. So then it looked like they had a song with Peep. Funny. So I was like all freaked out. Like I thought it was fake. I thought someone had like a Peep acapella and they put it. I was like, why would you pick this old beat of mine to put? But I I looked into it more and it it seems like it was a song or an open that he had had from very like early in his career. Yeah. And he probably had it on SoundCloud or something and deleted it. But Somehow somebody kept the file and Damn. Uh, sold it. That's so <laughs> random. Some random kid. But like, I guess cool to like have something come out later. And like, especially yeah. now, like if there's any type of in honor of him or to, to keep mm-hmm. that going, like that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's cool that, that it exists. I I would have rather found out that it exists without like a random kid kind of uh, finessing me. (laughs) Yeah, actually, yeah, that is a little bit weird because had you known, like they're like coming back not saying what it's about or anything like that. They're just like, yo, can I buy this beat? And you're like, sure. And then you like find out that it's something bigger than just some random thing. Yeah, like if I knew, I probably just would have fucking paid the kid who had the actual snippet and just like put it up without any uh, other random person adding yeah, a verse to it. That is actually kind of strange. Do you run into that a decent amount? Like at least you got credited on it, but that's a whole other world. Like 
when I was deep in like my stuff of like version three as a label and helping artists out, like something that I love, but also gets murky is in this world where so many people are producing beats and so many solo artists exist, you have these opens and you have these beats just floating around the internet. And if you get a credible enough artist, you absolutely want them to use your beat. But if you're trying mm-hmm. to make a name, you're pretty much down to give it away. And then it's like you can get in that situation where you're like, shit, this song that I produced that I sold for like a couple grand maybe is now <laughs> huge and I sold it. Like, that's it. Like, have you run into stuff like that? Or like, do you have any thoughts and feelings on that? Um, I haven't really run into it because like all the people that I, all the bigger people that I produced for um, ended up like becoming my friends later on because it's not like I was reaching out to them when they already had a hundred thousand followers on Instagram or anything like yeah we were all starting at the same time sort of so it's pretty authentic mm -hmm. but like I do I mean I'm in a producer collective now called Garden Ave and like I do know people who have like uh, gotten bigger placements with artists that just you know kind of ghost them and and don't want to pay or just leave them on re- like you know people get blocked Jesus. it's just it's grimy yeah some people some people just don't uh want to pay producers and it's real I get wild it. i mean as an artist after you after your pay after you pay your manager and you pay your your label and stuff you're only getting a small piece of the pie so now you got to share that with the producer it's like yeah I understand why people do it, but it sucks. It does suck. And it, it is, it's like, it feels like some real Wild West vibes of like, you're, everybody's trying to make something out of nothing. And then mm-hmm. depending on, like, there's some real etiquette and manners and respect that comes into it. If you're going to do it right of like having faith in each other and taking the chance on certain artists or certain producers. And it definitely feels like in those early days, it is a bit of an honor system of like, cool, you're going to take care of me when this goes right kind of thing. So, yeah. Yeah. You just have to have a good lawyer, good entertainment lawyer. <laughs> that too. That too. <laughs> Tell me about being in a producer collective. Cause that's always an interesting piece to me as well. Like how did that come together? Yeah. So I, uh, just joined this producer collective, I think like later in 2020. Mm-hmm. Cause I was just producing a lot more, like, as I mentioned before, and I was talking to them a lot on discord and just like hang out with them virtually. Yeah. The person who started it, Taylor Morgan, he was one of the earlier people to reach out to me and send me beats as an artist. Um, he produced a lot of the stuff that's on my second project. Okay. So I had had like a friendship with him for a long time and I think it just made sense like once I was producing a lot more and and talking to them a lot he was just like do you just want to join That's cool. But a lot of my favorite producers and a lot of the people I work with are in that collective so it's uh it's really nice to to be in and like we'll just go on Discord and watch each other make beats and learn stuff from each other and trade loops and stuff like that so that's cool. it's a big source of inspiration for me yeah. like if i'm ever feeling like it in an artistic drought or anything like dude that's because like again i don't know like i've never really produced but 
there's this common theme of community that I've always felt was pretty magic, be it like touring, going to shows together, coming up as artists, jumping on songs, and or even going back to like internet forums or discord groups. Like, I think that Mm -hmm. you can really grow as a person and as a creative when you find your people and you find a platform where it's not as competitive of like who's better than who or who has more followers, but it's like how, like who found that new cool thing, who figured out how to record like this and like coming Mm -hmm. up together. I'm like the biggest fan of that energy (laughs) in whatever capacity. And I've honestly never really talked about or heard about like the levels of how a producer collective works. So hearing you explain that, I'm like, that's fucking cool. So are you guys as a collective putting out tracks or beats or production that people can get on? Or is it more you guys just bringing things up together and working on stuff together and kind of getting people like getting each other out of like ruts? I think it's more just like we're kind of just like a a team of individual players. Like we're all doing our own thing. There's a bunch of people in the collective. I think there's like over 30 people. So, oh, wow. Okay. So um, it's not like you're making some crazy Brockhampton type beat where everybody's yeah, like, oh, I did it. Yeah, a- no. <laughs> no, it's kind of just like, it's just like, yo, like, does anyone have loops? Uh, I want to make something today, but don't feel like coming up with a, a melody. I just want to do drums, like send me loops or send MIDI or, or sometimes it'll be like, yo, this artist is looking for beats. Here's their email, send them beats. Wow. Stuff so like it's that. legit. Like it's just finding like your private community of people you fuck with and people mm-hmm. that look out for each other. Damn. Yeah. That's really cool. Then my follow-up question to that is because like everything I do with this podcast, I really try to like put some kind of a resource or inspiration for the next generation out there. Like if anybody's listening to this and they just had the craziest light bulb moment of like damn i feel like i'm on an island and i need to like find that for myself like what's good advice to finding somebody else's collective or like becoming a part of a community like that like does it all go down on discord or like how do you how how do you get to a point where you're joining something like that it's been so long since i've like had to do that um just because i've been i've been involved in like these underground communities i guess for for many years now from what it seems like to me, it's a lot of Twitter networking, a lot of Discord stuff, and just putting yourself out there, I guess. And I think the biggest advice I have for for people who are just starting in something is like, don't be annoyed. Like, try not to be annoying. Like, try to just like be chill and be a cool person. And like, if you do that and you're making music and and you show it to people without being spammy or overreaching about it like people people are gonna fuck with you and they're gonna check it out you know you just have to find the balance between like you have to put yourself out there but also don't push it don't don't be spamming links to people yeah um, yeah you can feel it god when you get the dm that's just like so copy paste and it's just like that like yo check out this tape or something like that and you're just like ah (laughs) but No, I I think that there's that level of like authenticity, right? Like if somebody takes the time to reach out and they say something where you're like, oh, okay, you're a real person. Like it doesn't really matter what level, like you'll at least read it. You'll at least see what's up. That's cool. No, that is cool advice. So then for you, 
where do you see like like what are some future goals like what do you like obviously you've been able to produce for a ton of rad artists you're staying on that i would imagine you have a pretty busy year of releases coming up as people have been releasing more and more now but like as you look to the future like do you have any goals of like producer milestones or get back to artists or are you kind of just like doing your thing happy to do whatever you do yeah, I'm kind of just playing it by ear. I mean, I'm producing a lot still, and I'm always just sending beats out to my friends and people I want to work with and trying to set up that next like cool project to to work on. Um, but aside from that, I am also like working on an album, Tight. which I've never done like a full or like an official album, I guess. So I've been like trying to figure out that i've been i'm kind of like in the mixing stages oh wow so you've put in some work like there's some there's some concrete music it's been done yeah yeah but i've also changed it like three times like what i want the direction to be because like i don't know it's music has changed so much since the last project that i put out so it's like i i don't even know like some days like like, are people going to like this? Are people going to think it's whack? Yeah. I don't even crazy. know anymore. I'm just like, right now, the only thing I can do is just like try to have fun while making music. And if it's fun to me, then that's fulfilling enough. If people like it, then that's great. But if they don't, I'll survive. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, God, do I feel that. And it also feels <laughs> like more and more things evolve so quickly that like certain production or inspiration like it goes so fast where you'll have something and you're like this was sick and then there's all sorts of new things and you're like that's whack i need to redo all of this kind of thing is there Mm -hmm. anything like lately that you've been super inspired by like are there any artists or producers where you're like yo this is it um Definitely. I mean, there definitely is. I'm just trying to think of what the... I guess it is hard sometimes. What I should say. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been uh, like very recently, uh, I've been listening to Porter Robinson's album a lot. Oh, cool. Uh, It's called Nurture. It's just like electronic. It's glitchy. He sings on a lot of the songs. It's just really, it's really inspiring, like production wise and singing wise, like the melodies are great. I might be um, wrong. I might be thinking of the wrong thing. But with that, didn't he do like beautiful visuals to go along with all of it as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's he's always had like great visuals yeah. for all of his music. But yeah, so I've, I've been listening to that a lot. I listen to a lot of like hyper pop while I'm like running or working out just because it's like so energetic and and fast. Yeah, um, I feel like Dylan Brady really did a lot in that space. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Gex was like definitely my introduction to that kind of music. And I don't know, I guess some people would say that that is like what birthed that type of music. I don't want to say too much and then get like a bunch of people mad at me on Twitter. I'm I'm like definitely not deeply qualified or nerdy (laughs) enough to go down and be like, it started here, here and here, here. But like definitely hearing Gex and like that very signature Dylan Brady type sound. I'm like, I'm here for this. Yeah, I think it was like a mix of like PC music and and Gex and stuff like that. But I listen to a lot of that, but I also I have to like kind of pull myself back where it's like 
I want to make everything that I enjoy, but I have sometimes I have to be like, well, maybe I I can just be a casual listener and like fan uh, of hyper pop music, and I don't have to make that kind of music. Yeah. Yeah, that is so, hard. Like getting so excited about things where you're like, I need to be a part of this. And it's like, bup, 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 bup. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. Um, I listen also to like a lot of indie music. There's been a band that I've been really obsessed with lately called Another Michael that's just kind of like folk music, I guess. I don't know. They kind of remind me of like Band of Horses, if you've ever oh, listened to them. Wow, yeah. Kind of just like really chilled out southern inspired like southern twangy kind of folk music yeah Um, another one of my favorite artists is field medic and that's also kind of like folk music so i don't know i i try to i get bored with if i hear like the same kind of sound over and over again for too long so i try to mix it up and take inspiration from different kinds of sounds that's cool that you have that though, right? Like going back to your dad, insp- like having that rap and rock and like growing up in a certain music scene and playing in like heavier bands, but then also being deep into rap and everything else going on on the internet. Like, I feel like that's probably what I'm the most excited about with music right now is genres mm-hmm. are kind of breaking. Like it's kind of just yeah. like, what's cool? How do we put that together? Yeah. Yeah, that's the... That's been the coolest thing to see is just that most artists now, like most new artists that I find, I feel like I can't confine them to one genre. Whereas like five, 10 years ago, it was like, oh, this is a pop punk band. This is a metal or like a trap metal rapper. Exactly. Like Like it used to fit in a box so well. It was just like, boop, this is this. Yeah. Yeah. Now everything kind of blends together and everyone has all these different influences and there's there's really no rules so it's cool yeah but it's cool that you embrace that too because i feel like if you're confident in what you do and as a producer or as an artist if you get excited about that that means that you're down to adapt and you're always going to draw inspiration and evolve and if you shake a stick at that that means that it's like all right like you're just trying to stay in a specific box and not push things forward so mm-hmm. I always get excited when people embrace that too, because I think that that's what brings about new innovation in music. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's too boring to, I mean, there's just so much music in the world that's like, if you're not doing something that's exciting or kind of boundary breaking, then you're not going to stand out. So yeah, that's cool that you feel that way. Damn. Well, I feel like that pretty much catches us up to speed on anything. Did I miss anything specific in your story or any part of like the whole fantasy camp? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I nice. think I think we covered most of it. Well, dude, thank you so much for doing this podcast. Like again, like we were really only like internet acquaintances, like barely. Like, it was just like, <laughs> yo, I fuck with what you do. Yeah. So I always am excited to talk to people like that. And I always, I try, I make a point too, to like reach out to people when I like, when I, when there's enough times of seeing their name come up or being like, oh shit, he produced that too. It's like, damn, I should reach out. I should see what's up. So that's (laughs) cool. Thank you you for having me. me. Of course. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah. This is fun. So there you have it. Fantasy camp story. 
I hope you liked it. And if you did, if you made it all the way to the end here and you don't mind doing me a quick favor, take a second right now and share this episode wherever you're watching or listening. Screenshot it, post it on socials, tag me, I'll share it. If you're watching on YouTube, share the link anywhere, share it with a friend, subscribe to the channel, blah, 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 all that good stuff. Uh, I say it every time, but it's because it really genuinely helps so, so much. I do the show entirely for free outside of the bonus Patreon content. It's really a passion project of mine. So if you are down to support just by sharing it, it is massively helpful. It lets me talk to more and more cool people like him. And that about says it. Thank you for watching and listening. I'll be back next week with another episode.